What if you could lose weight without counting calories or setting foot in a gym? What if you could cut food cravings while still eating your favorite foods? What if you could stop all the mind chatter you currently have around food and hunger? These what ifs are reality for people who make intermittent fasting or IF part of their everyday lives. Welcome to the What If Diet Plan Podcast, hosted by me, Alexis Cano. I'm a full-time working mother of three little boys who has finally discovered a simple solution to a very frustrating problem for so many people. I rediscovered IF in 2018 and adapted it to my personal lifestyle, which allowed me to regain my health and lose 50 pounds without sacrificing myself in the process. My goal is to help other busy women realize that they are not alone in their food and weight struggles and to provide some tools and tips you can use to begin transforming your body and mind today through intermittent fasting too. Please keep in mind that I am not a medical professional or therapist, so the information shared on this podcast should not be taken as medical or therapeutic advice. Please be sure to consult and work with your physician and therapist before following any new dietary plan. So with that, let's get started. Hi everyone, welcome back to the What If Diet Plan podcast. My name is Alexis Cano and I'm so happy that you're joining me this week. This week, I wanna talk about the importance of self-love and compassion when losing weight. And not just from a mental health and wellness perspective, but from a practical perspective too. Now, you might be thinking, yeah, you know what? I love myself enough now, so let's just get to the real weight loss stuff. But before you skip this episode, I really want you to hear me out. Because I believe that self-love and compassion truly are the secret sauce for shedding those unwanted pounds and transforming your health for good. You see, when we attempt to lose weight or start a new health regime, it's common for fear and shame to be our main motivators for change. These motivators can be self-imposed, such as when we want to lose weight quickly to look decent in a bathing suit, or they can come from outside sources, like from a well-meaning Thea commenting about how flaquita you used to be when you were a child. (laughs) Gee, thanks, Thea. I think we've all had these types of experiences that have motivated us to get in shape or try a new diet plan at some point in our lives. In my own experience, when I visited my pediatrician in the summer of 1999 for a physical, I knew the results wouldn't be good. And sure enough, I was right. I was a 230-some pound 16-year-old with aching joints, pre-diabetes, and a fatty liver. In the most loving way possible, my doctor gave me a stern look and basically told me, stop it. Lose weight now or you will be on medication for the rest of your life. The nurse then provided me with a list of quote-unquote healthy foods that I should be eating and sent my mom and me on our way. While I believe my childhood doctor meant well and had the best of intentions in mind, I can tell you that the shame I felt from that visit did absolutely nothing to help me lose weight. In fact, I probably went home and binged on all the healthy foods that were printed on the list they gave me, which included wheat bread, pasta, cereal, and orange juice. Needless to say, I did not lose any weight that summer. In her book, I thought it was just me, but it isn't. Brene Brown discusses her insightful research on the topic of women and shame. In her book, she states, When our very own bodies fill us with disgust and feelings of worthlessness, shame can fundamentally change who we are and how we approach the world. And 
When we begin to blame and hate our bodies for failing to live up to our expectations, we start splitting ourselves in parts and move away from our wholeness, our authentic selves. That last part about moving away from our wholeness and from our authentic selves, I believe this is one of the reasons that fear and shame are poor motivators for losing weight, because they are short-lived and make us take actions that don't align with who we truly are. Plus, losing weight from a place of shame or low self-worth often leads to emotional eating or binging in an attempt to avoid those same feelings in the first place. Or sometimes we reach our goals, but it comes at the expense of our mental health and overall well-being, and we end up sacrificing the personal values that are truly important to us, such as family, financial well-being, helping others, or just doing activities that bring us joy. For example, you may find yourself avoiding meals with friends and family, so you won't be tempted to eat something off plan. You may also find yourself spending tons of money on healthy foods or supplements that you can't really afford. Or you may start spending all your free time at the gym instead of volunteering with your favorite organization or just taking time to read a good book. Plus, making changes from a place of fear or shame usually results in constant shooting all over yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean. I should go to the gym before work. Or I should eat a salad instead of chicken wings for lunch. Or I shouldn't eat bread, pasta, cookies, potatoes, chips, ice cream, chocolate, and a myriad of other foods that we've labeled as bad for us. Finally, being motivated to lose weight from a place of fear or shame makes reaching your goals difficult and disappointing at best. These sources of motivation will always leave you wanting more or thinking you could have done better and wondering why you're not any happier after losing X number of pounds or fitting into a smaller size. Fear and shame compel you to focus on all the things you don't like about yourself or your body and to continue searching for new ways to fix them. This kind of thinking can even cause us to spiral into some darker emotions that are hard to come back from. Self-love and compassion, on the other hand, can motivate us to make small changes that benefit our overall health and well-being and lead to long-term positive results in our lives. First, taking action from a place of self-love and compassion actually contributes towards improved mental health while we move towards achieving our goals and seeing positive results. This motivates us even more to keep practicing the new behaviors and habits that we've recently implemented because they work in all areas of our life, not just for losing weight. You'll also be less likely to should on yourself, like I mentioned earlier, when you're mindful of staying in a space of self-love and compassion because you realize that you're human and doing the best you can where you're at. You start treating your body like a trusted and valued friend instead of an enemy that you have to conquer in order to win. And having compassion for yourself when you have a slip-up makes it easier to learn from your mistakes because you're not so quick to beat yourself up. This means you can observe your situation more objectively as the watcher, which makes it easier to identify your emotional triggers and decide how you want to better prepare for a similar situation in the future. For example, I've always called myself a social eater because I tend to eat and drink more when I'm socializing with others. I think this is a pretty common behavior and something we've just come to expect. In fact, there's even a name for this psychological phenomenon called social facilitation, which makes it all the more plausible and understandable that I would naturally consume more food when eating in a group. But as cute as my label of being a social eater seemed, I finally got to the point where I didn't want to eat or drink more alcohol just because I was around other people. 
So I decided to do some journaling and ask some good what-if questions to see if I could come up with a way to overcome this issue. After writing down all the mind chatter I had around the topic, I discovered that eating and drinking more around others actually had nothing to do with being social. In fact, I was eating and drinking more as a way to avoid socializing and to curb the anxiety I felt when in big groups, which I think part of me knew subconsciously, but avoided thinking about. Then I asked myself some of the following what-if questions around the topic. What if I don't have to eat or drink just because everyone else is? What if I could just sit and listen or engage in conversation instead of eating or drinking mindlessly? What if being a social eater isn't even a thing? What if eating and drinking doesn't actually help me cope with my anxiety? What if I could learn new behaviors and habits around food and people? From there, I created an action plan that consisted of new behaviors I would practice in these situations, such as purposely sitting and talking with people before I started eating or drinking, or letting people know, I'm not hungry right now, or I'll grab a drink later, rather than eating or drinking because everyone else was. And, definitely the hardest one, was practicing feeling uncomfortable and anxious instead of stuffing my face with food or drowning down a couple of drinks before talking. <laughs> Fortunately, this occurred right at the start of the holidays, so I had plenty of opportunities to practice the new behaviors and actions I decided to take. I definitely had plenty of slip-ups along the way, but after a couple of months, it got easier and my new behaviors became much more natural. And when I did mess up and eat just to eat or have a little too much to drink, I gave myself some grace and reminded myself that I was working to break a lifelong habit, which would take some practice before I saw any changes. I'd also review what I liked and what I didn't like about my actions and thought about ways to improve next time I went out. By the end of the holiday season, I found that practicing my new habits occurred more naturally without me having to put much thought into it. As you can imagine, I also didn't experience that dreaded holiday weight gain that happens to the best of us every year. Which reminds me, another reason that self-love and compassion are important when losing weight is that it can help us feel less compelled to squash our negative emotions with food. Instead, it can help us feel empowered and more confident about eating in any situation, whether alone or with friends and family. No more having to take special low-calorie dishes to parties so you know there will be something safe for you to eat. And no more calorie counting or reviewing a restaurant's menu beforehand, unless that happens to be part of your action plan, to each their own. But still, no beating yourself up if you don't follow through exactly as you expected. One of the best parts about being motivated by self-love and compassion is that the changes you've made in your life will serve as a source of motivation to those around you too. So have you ever run into somebody who's lost a lot of weight, but no longer seems like their old selves? Maybe they seem tired or irritated, or they talk about the food that they can't eat anymore, or they're on a meal replacement plan that just seems pricey and unrealistic. Although the weight loss and improvements in their health can be impressive, they might seem unnatural or like too much work. So you don't even want to bother asking for more information about it. On the other hand, when you meet someone who's lost weight and seems genuinely happy, self-confident, and outgoing, you want to know exactly what they did and how they did it. And no matter what they tell you, keto, surgery, Zumba, and of course my personal favorite, intermittent fasting, you want to know more. But not because of how much weight they lost or their pant size, because of the energy that radiates from them. This kind of transformation is something that everyone hopes to experience when they lose weight. But it's hard to achieve 
maybe even impossible, if it's not coming from a place of self-love. Practicing self-love and compassion also leads to having confidence in yourself and a willingness to try new things. Which reminds me, this past weekend was Valentine's weekend, and one of my good friends and I celebrated Valentine's Day together on Saturday the 13th by taking that stiletto dance class that I mentioned a couple of episodes back. We were both so nervous because we didn't know any other women in there, but we ended up having an awesome time and meeting some incredible women. And wow, did my legs and abs get a workout. (laughs) I definitely woke up sore the next morning. Anyway, this week I want to give you a call to action to give self-love and compassion a try the next time you want to establish a new healthy habit or overcome an obstacle in your life. If you're not sure where to start, then start by focusing on your personal strengths and values rather than the negative behavior or habit you're trying to eliminate. And remember to ask yourself some good what-if questions to help your mind focus on what's possible for your life, rather than what's not. That's what I have for you this week, my friends. Until next week, take care, and we'll connect again soon. If you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, please be sure to subscribe and share with a friend. You can also leave an honest review through your preferred podcast app to make it easier for other listeners to discover. If you're interested in learning more about me or the What If Diet Plan, you can visit me at www.thewhatifdietplan.com where you can see a free preview of my book as well as before and after photos of me throughout my weight loss, weight gain, weight loss, weight gain, roller coaster ride of a journey before I discovered IF in 2018. Please remember to celebrate your small wins and keep asking yourself good what if questions. Until next time, take care and we'll connect again soon.